Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I grew up in Alaska, just on the bubble of civilization. Sort of. Up there, even in the big cities, you'll get bears and moose and such. I was walking home from the bus stop. Our driveway was about a half mile long through woods. I heard noise to my right and stopped, hoping it was anything other than the one animal that scares me. And then it stepped out of the trees. I froze. My blood felt cold and stopped in my veins. A moose, full-grown female, was standing maybe twenty feet from me in the middle of the road. It stopped and turned to look at me. I was scared with no backup plan. What can a twelve or so year old do against a full-grown moose? Then it happened. I heard another noise behind me. I truly thought I was dead. I thought my life is now over. I'm about to be between a mama and a baby moose and I'm going to die. I remember feeling frozen and not at all tranquil and at peace. I couldn't even scream. 
From the edge of my eyesight, I saw the second moose emerge from the thick stand of alder trees and disappear behind me. I could hear the steps on the soft dirt. My eyes locked onto the moose in front of me, trying to will it to stay calm. I stopped breathing and then felt it. A gentle whoosh of warm air down the back of my neck, followed by the unmistakable sound of forced inhale. The moose behind me was sniffing my head. I could feel the breath, hear the nostrils flare. Some neighbor had dogs, off through the woods a ways, and they must have gotten out of their yard. They started barking inside the trees and startled both moose that turned and ran back the way they came, crashing into the small trees and leaving. To this day, the only animal I'm afraid of is moose. I've been fishing with brown bears, had black bears say hi as they walk by my camp. Mountain lions stalk us and then leave. Doesn't rattle me until I see a cow moose alone, and then I just hope to whatever is higher than me that I'm not between her and her cub. Well, there was an incident which taught me to regularly make what is called a J-turn to watch boar check by back trail. I was scouting a distant group of hills along an inaccessible river, no docks for miles. There were past rumors of mountain lions being back in there, though all the eastern breeds are supposedly not existence anymore. There had been a light snow before dawn but it didn't hinder me from walking way back and cresting the highest hilltop where I could see the big bend of the river. For whatever reason, I decided to circle the tippy top of this hill before going back down, where I could then pick up my old trail where I walked inward. When I completed my circling, I came back down, but immediately, but stopped dead. There were a second set of prints right next to my steps. Big paw prints as I sat watching that river. There was a fucking big cat sitting somewhere, watching me. Now, heading back down, I had lost the high ground, and the pursuit position was now in his favor. I made J-turns every 300 yards on the way back. I make J-turns on the way in and out of every area I hunt if it is in a remote location. And yes, I've seen dogs, deer, and even men following my paths before. My father, when he was in his late teens, used to hunt deer in New Zealand. This would have been the late 60s, early 70s. He was out with some friends hunting in thick bush at night, using a spotlight connected to a battery that they would carry in a backpack. My father saw the shine of deer eyes in the dark, a very easy shot. A direct and clean shot. On approaching the kill, a few things stood out to him as slightly unusual. Firstly was the horse he had killed. Secondly were the two terrified Maori guys who leapt from their tent next to the dead horse, understandably scared for their lives. I think he had to pay them enough to buy a couple of horses to clear the matter up. Also, he only ever hunted during daylight after that. I am in Moorhead, Kentucky, and have been experiencing unexplainable things while I've been hiking around Eagle Lake or near Cave Run. I'm not a superstitious person and am very rational when it comes to the animals in our region. It will sound as if something is approaching, coming much closer than any animal should, and when noticed, I react, stomp my feet, 
etc. It stops. An unrelenting dread and overwhelming anxiety falls over me. I cannot shake it, and I know I have to leave at that point. Each time as I've started to leave, whatever it is has charged quickly, coming much closer and essentially chasing me from where I've been. I refused to return to Eagle Lake after I experienced it the first time and chose to go to a pretty popular area near Cave Run. The same exact thing has happened more than once. I have not been able to shake the feeling. I have definitely been the only one in the area on both occasions and there have been no animals near. Definitely not ones large enough to make the sounds I've heard. My girlfriend has been with me on each occasion and has heard and felt the same as me. If anyone has seen, felt, heard anything, please let me know. Edited to add, I'm not trying. To claim AKI has a new cryptid or that a ghost is following us or anything, I wish I could believe it has somehow been the exact same creature exhibiting the same behavior four plus times in different areas, but it has become hard to do so. My girlfriend and I both agree that it so clearly felt like something has wanted us gone. We've gone out so many times and have never experienced anything like this before or held any anxiety about going out. I carry, I'm not afraid of wild animals in our area. I realize I sound crazy, but I really am just wanting some shared experiences. Thank you all. A few days ago, I met with one of my friends from school at a local cafe, and this is when I was doing my shift. He had ordered a latte when I had recognized him. He had also recognized me when he looked right at me. We chatted pleasantries while I made coffee to know that he was now a park ranger. I was interested and asked him to tell me more about his job after my shift. After my shift had ended, I walked over to his table while he was reading a book. He began telling me about how he first loved his job, but recently had been having some strange supernatural occurrences that creeped him out. He was even considering resigning. I asked him what he saw, and he told me about some things that he had seen that were very concerning. One day near dusk, he was patrolling the park along with three of the rangers. They walked and patrolled the stream that flows in the park so they don't get lost. When it was completely dark, they turned back towards the cabins of the park rangers. As they were walking, they saw a big creature just a few feet away from them. It was almost eight feet tall with thick hands and feet. It nearly matched the description of a Bigfoot, except it had the head of a lion. My friend and his co-workers got so scared they began running towards the cabin, blindly shooting behind them. The creature was so thick and heavy that he could not run as fast as them, struggling to keep up. Soon they started to see bright lights shining outside the cabin every night as it came closer. When they reached the cabin door and looked back, there was no creature in sight, especially not the Bigfoot-looking lion. They told the whole occurrence to the rest of the rangers. They did not believe them at first, but one of the rangers said he believed them since he also saw something unnatural a few days back. Only he didn't dare to share. He thought it was just his imagination. On asking him what he saw, he told them he saw a small creature almost one foot tall with thin stick-like arms and legs totally opposite to what my friend and the other rangers had seen that patrolled around with him. I was shocked to hear these types of creatures existed and advised him to resign and get a job that's away from the supernatural. 
He said that no job is away from the supernatural as they could always shape, shift, or choose to be invisible if they wish. So even my job of serving coffee, I could have an encounter with anything unnatural. In 2013, I, Officer Torg, managed to secure an actual live DNA sample from a livestock kill while investigating the supposed Lizardman case out in Bishopville, South Carolina. It was 8.1 a.m. when I responded to several calls reporting a large unknown predator supposedly killing livestock. Upon arriving and following standard protocol for such a call, I quickly realized the severity of the situation. I established a perimeter around the kill site to keep onlookers away. At 8.20 a.m. I obtained saliva from an unknown source on one of the cattle. I reported that it was not possible to tell if it was human or animal. By 9.30 a.m. all the evidence had been gathered and moved to the evidence room, awaiting analysis. I was told that I would have the DNA results in approximately three weeks. As always, I strongly urged anybody with information regarding this incident to please report to their local authorities immediately so these investigations could be taken care of under proper jurisdiction. Additionally, two young men reportedly saw what they described as a lizard man along a very rural road in eastern South Carolina on Sunday night. According to reports, these two 19-year-old men were driving along a stretch of highway near Bishopville when they came across something in the road. They turned around and saw what they described as a seven-foot-tall lizardman and, and quickly drove off. When asked for further comment, they both insisted that this was no man in a costume, but a real-life lizardman. They believed it must have been the same one seen back in the 80s by the young man who had his own sighting in Skateboard Swamp in 1984. The Appalachian Trail stretches before me, a winding path that weaves through the breathtaking beauty of the dense woods. Towering trees stand tall, their branches reaching towards the sky, as if inviting me to explore their secrets. It's my first day as a park ranger, and the excitement bubbles within me like a rushing stream. My name is Ron, a nature enthusiast with a love for the wilderness, camping, and cats. As I embark on my journey along this renowned trail, I can't help but feel a mixture of awe and trepidation. Rumors of strange occurrences that have taken place here whisper through the air, adding an air of mystery to my new role. Eager to acquaint myself with the surroundings, I delve deeper into the trail, my senses heightened, absorbing every sound and shadow that dances around me. The forest comes alive with strange apparitions, fleeting glimpses of figures that seem to vanish as quickly as they appear. Eerie sounds echo through the trees, causing my heart to skip a beat. As I continue my patrol, my ears catch a distant sound that piques my curiosity. Intrigued, I follow the trail towards the source, my steps cautious but filled with a mix of fear and anticipation. The air grows heavy and a chill runs down my spine as I come face to face with a creature beyond my wildest imagination. Before me stands a dogman, a beast with the body of a bipedal wolf and a face that resembles that of a human. 
its eyes meet mine, a gaze filled with primal intelligence and hunger. I fumble for my mobile, desperate to capture evidence of this unearthly encounter, but my hands tremble, and the phone slips from my grasp, crashing to the ground. The dogman, alerted by the sound, charges towards me with a fury I could not have fathomed. Instinct kicks in, and I draw upon my training, grappling with the beast in a desperate struggle for survival. Adrenaline surges through my veins as I manage to grab hold of a knife, slashing at the creature's throat. It collapses to the ground, lifeless. Breathing heavily, disbelief courses through my veins as I stare at the fallen dogman. This extraordinary creature, the stuff of legends, now lies motionless at my feet. Fumbling to retrieve my broken phone, I attempt to capture proof of this extraordinary encounter, only to find it useless, shattered beyond repair. Doubt gnaws at the edges of my mind as I return to the trail, my footsteps heavy with the weight of what I've witnessed. Determined to seek assistance and share my unbelievable tale, I make my way back to the park ranger station to inform my senior colleague. Together we returned to the spot where the dogman had fallen, only to find an empty clearing. Not my story, but a colleague's of mine. My colleague was responding to a call to check up on a camper. When he had pulled up, he noticed all the lights were out, which was strange considering the call was only made a few moments prior. When this ranger approached the tent, there was nothing, not a sound. It was as if everybody in the campsite had completely disappeared, leaving only him by himself. He was puzzled and not sure why somebody would make the call of this campsite and then be completely deserted. Then he described what he could hear as a weird growling noise with kind of a chewing sound. He shines his light over in the direction of this noise and sees this tiny, three-foot-tall, furry humanoid thing standing there that reminded him of a chimpanzee. He was completely startled and nearly falling backwards on his behind. This thing also had a very surprised expression on its face, not really sure what to do. It quickly ran off, scurrying between the branches and the trees, and going at about 30 miles an hour. My colleague claims that it looked partly human, a brow ridge and a nose very much like a human does. But the rest of the face was almost covered in hair and reminded him very much of an ape. Besides the nose and the brow ridge, the eyes were also all black too, and it did not appear to be violent or aggressive in any way. As it turns out, the campers at this campsite were being harassed by this tiny little humanoid ape thing which is the reason why they left soon after they made the call. Apparently, this thing was trying to get into one of their tents in which they were scared and got in their car and deserted their camp. After speaking to a few friends of mine who are heavily into cryptozoology, they all believe that a juvenile Sasquatch was responsible. Under the chilling midnight sky, my friend Dell and I drove along a desolate road, enveloped in an eerie silence. Unbeknownst to us, a life-altering encounter awaited. As our eyes scanned the darkness, a graceful four-point deer emerged, captivating our attention with its beauty. Little did we know, 
This sighting was merely a prelude to something far more extraordinary. On the left, the deer vanished into the shadows, diverting our gaze to the right. Dim moonlight revealed a figure that sent shivers down our spines. A towering bipedal dogman. Its immense size filled us with a primal fear that transcended the limits of our understanding. Traversing the road, the creature's passage stirred the thick line of trees, setting them in motion. We stood transfixed, unable to avert our eyes from this mysterious being that defied explanation. It possessed an allure that was both enchanting and terrifying, hinting at an existence beyond our grasp. In that fleeting moment, a sense of otherworldliness saturated the air. The dogman's powerful stride seemed to bridge the gap between our reality and the unknown. Its presence invoked a mixture of awe and fear, captivating our senses with its enigmatic nature. Despite our yearning for clarity, the darkness concealed the creature's details. Yet, even in the absence of certainty, we recognized that we had borne witness to something extraordinary, a being that transcended the boundaries of our everyday existence. As the dogman dissolved into the night, our minds teemed with unanswered questions. Who was it? Where did it come from? This encounter ignited a fervent curiosity within us, driving us to explore the hidden enigmas lurking in the shadows. Since that bewitching moment, the memory of our encounter has etched itself permanently in our minds. The indelible mark left by the bipedal dogman serves as a reminder that our world is brimming with mysteries. Beyond the limits of our perception, awaiting discovery. I was on our property in the Mount Hood National Forest in western Oregon. I was making a new access road for equipment to get through and had been cutting with my chainsaw for some time when I decided to take a break. I pulled my earplugs out, which I normally leave in my ears. I sat there inspecting my work. Suddenly, something started crunching through the thick brush from down over the hillside in my direction straight at me. At first, I thought it was an elk, but the equipment noise should have kept the area clear of most animals, and I could tell it was cumbersome and lumbered along on two feet. I started straining my eyes to see what was coming through the thicket as it approached and got closer with every step. Finally, by the sound, I knew I should be seeing it because it wasn't more than 50 feet in the brush, but I couldn't make out any dark forms at all. It was November, and all the leaves were gone off the trees and plants, so I had visibility of 200 feet. Suddenly, it came to a stop. It all went silent, extremely silent. There were no typical forest noises of any kind. I could feel that I was being watched, but why couldn't I see it? Anyway, I got tired of whatever it was playing games. I put my earplugs back in, fired up my saw, and went back to work, keeping my eyes down low just in case it let itself be seen. I knew it was watching me, but I wasn't going to give it the satisfaction of freaking me out. I trust the Lord to keep me safe, and that thing knew it. I didn't have anything else happen that day. But when I returned the next morning, something had taken all the brush I had stacked in piles along the new road and scattered it back in my way. Again, upon noticing this, I was peering through the woods around me with my senses on edge. When my two dogs came out to visit me, they quietly walked up behind me and stepped on some branches, breaking them. I about jumped into the next county. 
I went back to work restacking the brush, and nothing more happened. About six months later, though, I was in an area not far from there where I had been cutting all day, trying to get a section out of an old-growth fir log for carving. It was getting close to dusk, and I had my old Chevy pickup parked not far from me, about 40 feet away. I was preoccupied with what I was doing at the moment. But as I let my saw start a new cut down through the five-foot log, I glanced over at my truck, and there, standing alongside it, between me and the car, was a massive being, all black or dark brown, and staring at me. I cursed under my breath, because I really wasn't looking for a visit now. My truck is hot blue, so this thing stood out really well against it. That rig is on 35-inch tires, a 6-inch lift, with the top of the cab being about 7 feet tall. And this thing's head was quickly a foot taller than the truck. I didn't stare at it or want to make a lot of eye contact with it, but I noticed it was about 4 feet wide at the shoulders and its arms hung down to its knees. It was very hairy and very solid. I'm no judge, but I'm assuming it had to have been at least 600 pounds, if not more. The second I saw this thing standing there, a cold shiver ran down me, but I didn't want it to think I saw it, so I turned back to focus on my cutting. I didn't want to look back or head over to see if it was still there. It was now it was about 10 feet closer to me and standing more to my left near the hood of my truck. I could feel my heart pounding and I was getting a cold sweat too, but I went back to focusing on my work. I didn't look back for several minutes knowing that things could show up next to me or behind me without warning. I find the best thing to do is focus on what I'm doing and not look around and don't get let my imagination run away with me. It's easy to do out there in the dark with those Bigfoot being curious and coming around. I looked back up after five minutes and it was gone, thank God, but I'm sure it was standing in the dark there somewhere and I wasn't about to look around for it. I finished my work there, packed my tools, and headed to the house without anything more occurring. The next day I went back, but after that, I tried to get back before dusk. I had previously thought that they were kind of shy, but not after what I've seen. They're curious and will show up even if equipment or machinery is running. One summer, several years ago, I was spending an evening with a friend over in Washington at a rock pit. We used to camp it quite a bit. Over a decade ago, she had her own encounters with the Bigfoot in which one walked up to her and her brother in the forest on Mount Hood. They were armed with AR-15s but were both frozen in fear. It got within five feet of them and just locked eyes with her. It was a nine to ten foot male and watched her intently for about a minute before turning its head and disappearing into the trees. They literally looked and looked for it, but it had vanished. This encounter happened in broad daylight. Anyway, they are amazing creatures. So this happened three years ago when I was living with my parents in Meteetz, Wyoming. Super small and secluded. It was Halloween and my parents decorated the house and we expected about three, four kids to show up as the house is about a mile from a subdivision and parents usually drive their kids. At eight, I took in the chair with candy because I figured no one else would be coming around. I'm in the basement where there are no windows and very little sound can get out and it's about eleven. All the lights upstairs are shut off because I'm going to bed. I hear a knock at the side door. 
which no one ever knocks at. I go upstairs and the floodlight, which usually turns on automatically, wasn't on. So I flipped on the other light that lights up the basketball hoop area. There's a person in one of those old man masks that have the crazy hair just standing there. He is just looking at the house. He sprints to the back where the patio is. I hear loud banging on the back windows. Honestly, the loudest kicking I've ever heard. I rush over and the person is just staring. Then he runs away and I do to hear anything for five minutes or so. Then I start hearing the knob to the main door being forcefully jiggled back and forth. I ran upstairs to the bedroom and went to the crawl space in the attic. I immediately dialed 911. This was the first time I ever dialed 911, so I don't know what I was expecting. But the operator didn't seem to be very shocked or wanting to send out a car very quickly. I remember repeating my address like 12 times, and the lady kept saying, Calm down, sir. She wants me to stay on the line, but I'm afraid if the guy got in, he would know where I was because of my voice. I hang up and I can hear the knob being slammed, like he had a hammer or something. I'm having a full-on panic attack and I'm wheezing trying to get air. Then I hear the side door, original door, being kicked super hard. At this point, I'm shaking so bad the dust from the floorboards is flying up in the air. I hear a window smash and I immediately know he's going to get in. I hold my breath, which makes the wheezing worse. I'm going to die. I'm listening to hear footsteps or anything. Nothing. The actual amount of time I spent up there was around 16 minutes. I swear it was an hour. An officer showed up and pounded on the door. I ran downstairs and flipped open the door. I told him everything as well as the backup sheriffs that got there. They all kept saying a friend was probably just trying to scare me. I had no friends in Wyoming. None. They looked around the house and wrote down some shit, but nothing really happened. They left, and I drove behind them to Cody, Wyoming, and got a hotel room. I still can't sleep without all the lights on and a point forty-five on my dresser. Still can't explain this. I was out in the mountains of Pennsylvania in the Poconos. This happened multiple times. I would be in the woods and would hear knocking sounds on the trees around us at night. I would brush it off as just wind, but then the sounds would get louder and closer, and then they started surrounding us in a circle. It was like the way that a loading icon is and goes in a circle. We would just shut up and throw more wood on the fire. Then we heard screaming from the woods surrounding us, not yelping, but in some kind of language. It was absolutely insane. It sounded like people dying. It wasn't coyotes. I've heard them one thousands of times. This was human. While the screaming and knocking kept going in circles, we would huddle near each other at the fire, looking at each other like what the F, and it would stop after about twenty minutes. When we were in our tent sometimes, we would hear it again and hide under the blankets. Sometimes would even hear footsteps. This was in an area that had a lot of Native American violence. So maybe that could be why, just grasping at straws here, because there was no way we could explain it. Whenever we went to the same area, it would happen. Headed for everyone wondering if I'm alive, LOL. Yes, I am. We ended up staying at my friend's cabin, more like a shed, to be honest. 
and I really only stayed one night and day because two people, my friends, had to leave, and I didn't want to be alone with the last person there whom I didn't know all that well. They were, kind of odd to say the least, and I didn't feel right without cell service or my own car in the middle of nowhere with a stranger. Nothing out of the ordinary, though, just a campfire, some beers, grilled some food, etc. This was in a different area than the above happened. Maybe that's why, but if I ever go back to the last place, I will make a new post. No weird sounds that I could hear, even while venturing into the woods looking for them, but maybe someday I'll hear them again. Thanks for all the replies asking if I'm alive, though. Ha ha. I feel kind of bad how anticlimactic this was, too. I really wanted to catch a recording or something, but it was just a normal camp out this time. I took a deep breath of the crisp pine-scented air as I surveyed the quiet campground nestled deep within Yosemite National Park. As a park ranger, solitude was part of the job, but tonight felt different. The stillness of the forest was interrupted by a strange childlike whisper that sent shivers down my spine. I'm Chris, a lone ranger stationed at this remote campground. I'm not your typical ranger. Besides my love for the great outdoors, I'm also an occasional GU, Jitsu master and computer geek. But none of that mattered now as I strained my ears to decipher the eerie whispers that seemed to emanate from the woods. With no other campers around, curiosity compelled me to investigate the source of the sound. I followed the whispers, my heart pounding in my chest as they... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Grew louder and more unsettling. They led me to a massive ancient tree standing alone in the heart of the forest. As I approached the tree, the whispers intensified, filling the air with an unsettling aura. I circled the tree, and to my surprise, I discovered a hidden entrance concealed by gnarled roots. It was as if the tree was guarding the secret that lay beneath. With my flashlight in hand, I descended into the hidden network of caves beneath the forest floor. The air grew damp and heavy, carrying the scent of decay. My heart raced as the beam of light revealed row upon row of human bones, a chilling testament to the cave's dark history. A cold chill ran down my spine as I realized that these remains were over a century old. It seemed that roughly a hundred human corpses rested here, their souls trapped within these cavernous walls. I was treading on unhallowed ground, an unwelcome guest in this domain of the forgotten. Accidentally, I placed my foot upon a fragile bone and a sickening crack echoed through the cave. The whispers abruptly ceased, replaced by an ominous silence. 
Panic set in as I realized I had attracted the attention of an unknown predator that had been lurking in the depths of the darkness. I scrambled to find a hiding spot, my mind racing to concoct a plan of escape. The creature's whispers returned, now laced with anger and hunger. It was closing in on my location, inch by agonizing inch. With nowhere to run, I found a narrow alcove and pressed myself against the rough cave wall, praying that it would be enough to conceal me from the creature's sight. My heart pounded against my ribs as the whispers grew louder, reverberating through my very being. Minutes felt like hours as I clung to the hope that I had eluded the predator's gaze. Finally, the whispers began to fade, their malevolence receding into the abyss. The creature had moved on, leaving me trembling in the darkness. As the silence settled upon the cave once more, I knew I had to make my escape. Slowly, cautiously, I ventured out of my hiding place, every step calculated to avoid making even the slightest sound. With each passing moment, the fear and madness that had threatened to consume me subsided. I emerged from the cave's gaping maw, the sunlight warming my face like a long-lost friend. I knew then that I would never return to that place, haunted by whispers and the specter of unimaginable horror. My fiancé has a really good one from when he was at West Point, the military academy. So there's a lot of haunted parts of West Point since it's so old and tons of legends or ghost stories told by the cadets from over the years. It was during the summer and the place was basically empty. He was on night duty for one of the oldest barracks on the campus. All night long he kept hearing someone walking around on one of the floors above him. And when he would go up and check it out, this one room would have a light turned on. He kept turning off the light, locking the door, and then would go back down to his desk on the main floor. He said at first he thought someone was just messing with him, but then it started getting really annoying. So around 2 a.m., he gets a phone call from someone, a brigade commander or something. This guy starts screaming at him on the phone. Cadet, I'm looking at Scott Barracks. Not sure if it was actually Scott, but for the story's sake. It's Scott Barracks right now, and I see a light on the third floor. Go take care of that light. So my fiancé, fed up at this point, goes upstairs again, unlocks the room door, and turns off the light again. An hour later, he gets another call. Cadet, this is Lieutenant Colonel Meyer, and I'm looking at Scott Barracks, and that light on the third floor is still on. I want you to go turn it off and then meet me at Thayer Statue to explain why you can't follow basic orders. Thayer Statue was a common meeting point for cadets, so after going up to the third floor one again, my fiancé makes his way to the statue to get chewed out by this lieutenant colonel and explain that the light kept going on, even after he turned it off. At this point, he was super creeped out and it was really late, like 3 a.m., so he made one of his friends come with him so they, that they could both explain to this brigade commander what was going on. They get to the statue and wait. No one comes. They keep waiting because the last thing they want is to get in trouble for not waiting for a lieutenant colonel on top of the light. After an hour, no one came. They decide to leave. 
The next morning, he decided to tell his company commander what happened with the light and mentioned that Lieutenant Colonel Meyer had called them and then never showed up to Thayer's statue to talk. The company commander turned pale, looked at my fiancé, and asked him if he was sure it was Lieutenant Colonel Meyer who had called. My fiancé was like, yeah, I'm sure. He yelled at me twice and made me walk to meet him at 3 a.m. About it, apparently a decade earlier, a Lieutenant Colonel Mayer had committed sin those barracks in that room on the third floor. So my fiancé swears up and down that his ghost had called him that night and had kept turning on the lights in that room. I grew up in the Arctic. In the town I lived in, as long as it was a clear night, it was an extremely normal occurrence to see all sorts of strange lights move across the sky. Keep in mind, the winter is long in the Arctic, which means longer amounts of time being spent under the stars. It's quite beautiful, as long as you don't mind the cold so much. Sometimes I would drive a snowmobile a few kilometers out of town, shut it down, and just lay down on the snow, looking up at the majesty of it all, the only thing disturbing the silence being the occasional breeze. The northern lights are also a common occurrence. Doesn't happen every day, but often enough that they start getting ignored after a while, as long as they aren't too spectacular anyway. On one particular night, without asking my parents, it was their snowmobile. I decided to go on one of my midnight drives out of town. I drove a few kilometers over the hills to find a spot devoid of light pollution from town, shut off the machine, and settled into a good spot to look up and be introspective. It wasn't all that interesting a scene. A few satellites passing here and there, some relatively boring activity affecting the magnetic field, etc. And then I started noticing a clicking noise. At first I thought it was the sound of the snow machine cooling down as engine expands and contracts a lot in the cold. But the source of the sound definitely wasn't coming from that direction. My next thought was there must be an animal nearby, in which case I need to get out of there fast. You don't really want to mess with a wild animal. But the clicking is far too regular for an animal to produce it. It was fairly mechanical sounding. And again, the source of the sound isn't coming from anywhere around me, laterally. It was coming from up, so naturally I look up determined to ascertain the origin of this strange noise. I see what I always see, stars, northern lights, a lazy satellite crossing the sky. All normal stuff. But before I dismiss it altogether and begin heading home, I notice something strange in the aurora borealis. There were three rather strong points of light. I ignored them at first thinking they were oddly symmetrical stars, but this proved false. They were definitely getting brighter. I kept staring in morbid fascination as they grew stronger and stronger, yet still only remaining single points in the sky. All the while the clicking noise is getting louder and louder and more pronounced, almost like someone started with tapping a pen on a desk to clacking billiard balls together inside my head. Then it stops. The lights are gone. The clicking is not heard. And aside from being a little stiff, cold, and rather petrified, I'm fine. So I jump back on the snowmobile, thinking maybe I'm going crazy. The machine takes a little longer than usual to start up, and 
I'm beginning to worry, but soon it's running and I'm heading back to town. As I'm driving back several plausible scenarios as to what occurred are running through my head, I'm thinking it could have been a helicopter from the mine or some strange northern lights behavior, etc. Probably not that big a deal. I pull up to my house. Lights are all dark. Strange. It wasn't that late when I left. Open outer door as quietly as possible. Remove winter gear. Enter inner door. House is quiet. Really quiet. My parents are teachers and are usually up late marking or watching TV. All I'm thinking is I have to get to bed without anyone noticing. Proves to be easy as I'm soon under my covers. I go to set my alarm for the next day. All of a sudden, everything makes sense. Engine hard to start, stiff, rather chilly. Nobody up when I was gone, what felt like relatively short period of time. It was almost 11 p.m. when I left, and now it was creeping up on 6 a.m. I stood staring at clicking lights for almost seven hours. I never ended up sleeping that night, and I don't go on late-night snow machine rides anymore. Our team of Navy SEALs was on a covert operation near Japan, searching for vital intelligence concerning China's possible invasion of Taiwan. I led the team, with Joe as my second-in-command, a seasoned warrior with a wealth of experience. Little did we know that this seemingly routine operation would lead us to the edge of our sanity. Joe, ever curious and adventurous, discovered a hidden underwater cave system during one of our reconnaissance missions. Intrigued by the mystery that lay within, he decided to gather a small group of five men, including myself, to investigate further. We donned our diving gear and descended into the depths, unaware of the horrors that awaited us. As we explored the labyrinthine cave system, our excitement turned to unease. The oppressive silence weighed heavily upon us, and an inexplicable sense of foreboding crept into our hearts. It was then that we unknowingly disturbed a nest of aquatic cryptids that had been lurking in the shadows, their existence unknown to the world above. The first sign of danger came with a sudden surge of movement in the water, accompanied by an eerie silence that seemed to suffocate the very air we breathed. Our senses heightened. We realized we were being hunted. Vicious creatures, born of nightmares and hidden from human eyes, closed in on us with savage intent. A battle for survival ensued as we fought tooth and nail against the relentless onslaught of these aquatic horrors. Our training and instincts kicked in, but the cryptids were unlike anything we had ever encountered. Their strength, speed, and ferocity were otherworldly, pushing us to the brink of our physical and mental limits. One by one, my comrades fell to the cryptid's relentless assault, leaving only Joe and me to face the horrors that dwelled within the abyss. We fought with everything we had, employing every ounce of skill and determination to escape their clutches. But it was Joe, with his unwavering resolve and indomitable spirit, who found a way to lead us out of the abyss and back to the surface. After barely surviving the ordeal, Joe made a fateful decision. He chose to keep the existence of the cryptids a secret, forever buried within the depths of the Pacific. 
He understood the consequences of revealing such a horrifying truth to the world, knowing that panic and chaos would ensue. And so we returned to our lives, carrying the weight of the horrors we had witnessed deep within our souls. We never spoke of the cryptids again, silently accepting the burden of our experiences and the sacrifices made by our fallen comrades. It was a testament to our unwavering loyalty and dedication to protecting our nation, even when the threats we faced lurked in the shadows, forever hidden from the world's gaze. Story from my dad. Back in 1989, my dad was hunting out in New Kent County, Virginia. He feels uneasy throughout the morning, and then he gets really spooked to the point where he decides to leave. Nothing weird is happening, and he's a lifelong hunter who wouldn't normally leave the woods for a bad feeling. Can vouch, he's very practical. As he's driving home, he sees a bunch of cop cars at the rest stop near his hunt club. Later that evening, he finds out that the cops had found the bodies of victims of the Colonial Parkway killer near the rest stop in a spot fairly close to his tree stand. Anna Maria Phelps and Daniel Lauer. As a true crime buff, when my dad told me this story last year, I lost my dang mind. In late fall of 2018, I was driving back home from work on a Saturday. Afternoon on, I-270, one south near Mayfield, Ohio. The weather was overcast, and light rain was coming down and slowed down traffic due to rain. It wasn't very windy, but the wind blew the rain to the southeast. Out of my periphery, I noticed to my right what resembled a large grouping of dark gray balloons floating silently from one side of the freeway to the other, above the tops of the cars on the same freeway. Upon closer inspection, I noticed these orbs hanging or grouping together in what resembled a DNA strand model. Some were attached to others while the remainder were free, floating clinging together as they floated silently across and into obscurity. This was my third experience witnessing something anomalous, and I reported it months ago to author Preston Dennett. I've included the artistic recreation of my sighting. We we're out in a state park tent camping, not far from civilization at all. Three of us, after drinking a bit too much and some other partying, we hiked a bit up the mountain behind our camp. Stupid. It was pitch black with a very steep incline. About 30 minutes into the hike, in the middle of nowhere, we see a structure. It's a door and not much else. The door is built into a brick building. It had four walls, but the structure was so small and built just for the door. The front was about six feet wide, and then from front to back, it was probably two feet. I know it doesn't sound that creepy, but when you find a closed door on a tiny brick building, throw in the partying and it becomes really, really creepy. Turns out the door was unlocked, so we open it and there's no floor inside, but a ladder going down. You bet your ass none of us had the balls to go down. We dropped some rocks that took quite a while to hit the bottom. No splash, just a solid smack of rock against concrete. 
Sorry for the boring ending, but there wasn't much more to the story. Shit was real strange, though. It was a long time ago. I have no recollection of where it was, so if I wanted to ever go back, I'm sold. MJ, a 28-year-old warehouse worker, prefer to keep my last name anonymous. The event I'm about to share took place while I was hunting with my dog in a rural area I refer to as Black Bay, Florida. I've only recently felt confident enough to tell this story. I've kept it to myself and close family for a very long time. After several hours, I decided it was time to head back home before it became too dark to find my way. As we made our way through the fields, I hopped the last fence and waited for my large dog to squeeze through the gate. We were about twenty feet away from the start of the path when I heard a whoop on one side, followed by a sharp whistle on the adjacent side. Initially, I thought the sounds were birds, but as the unidentified sounds continued, I realized something else was going on. I took a few more steps, and suddenly something let out a deep growl, followed by a yell. It stunned me and confused me. I had never heard anything remotely close to that before. I managed to catch a glimpse of something reddish-brown crossing the path, although it wasn't much taller than me. As the noise subsided, I mustered the courage to make my way through the path and finally reach my residence. The only way home was through the path that this creature had just crossed. The sun was almost down, so it was a moment of flight or fight, and I chose flight. When I arrived home, my mother noticed that something was wrong. She was outside collecting clothes off the line and asked if I had heard a strange noise coming from that direction, but I couldn't reply. I was still in shock. At the time, I hadn't heard much about Bigfoot, but I knew that what I saw that day wasn't your average local wildlife. It was possibly a family of ape-like creatures crossing the path, and I have a theory. Now, I understand that what I encountered was a family because I heard three vocalizations that evening. Back then, it was hard to understand what was happening, but now I believe I must have come between the juvenile and the adult. That's why they distracted me and ultimately scared the living crap out of me to ensure I didn't hurt their young. Living my life in central West Virginia, I have spent a lot of time hunting in the Monongahela National Forest while bow hunting in a stand of red spruce on October 31st, yes, Halloween. This happened to me. This takes place back when portable stands had a chain that wrapped around the tree and fall protection consisted of two pieces of seatbelt material, one around the tree, ran through the other, wrapped around your waist. I was in the stand overlooking a small creek and had watched a couple of doe walk by and decided to stay until full darkness. The moon had risen early, so there was some light and I had a flashlight in my pack. As I was getting ready to lower my bow, I heard loud wing beats heading towards me through the spruce trees, when all of a sudden a very large owl landed on a branch about ten yards from me. I sat motionless watching the owl as it sat there watching me. After several minutes, I slowly turned my head to look back to the creek to check for deer one more time before climbing down. All of a sudden, I heard wing beats again, and the owl was flying straight towards me with talons extended. 
I threw my arms up, dropping my bow in the process, and screamed at the demon owl who was trying to knock me to the ground. Fortunately, the owl veered away from me, and I didn't fall out of the tree. After a few minutes, I regained my composure, packed up, and walked out to my truck without any more harrowing experiences. Nearly a year ago, the people living along the riverfront near Preston were set agog by the appearance in the woods of a strange being in human form. When discovered by a party of hunters on his all fours pawing and neighing like a horse, their attention was first attracted by what they took to be the whining of a startled horse in the undergrowth. When advanced upon, the strange being ran off on his hands and feet, but the pursuers gained upon him so rapidly he sprang to his feet and quickly covering the short distance to the river, plunged headlong from a rather high bank into the water and swam to the Indian side. When he reached that bank, he stood up, shook himself like a horse just out of a bath, and with what might really be called a horse laugh, ran off into the woods. Some months later, he was seen under much the same conditions, but this time west of Woodville on the Indian side. Only a few weeks ago, a man crawled across the road in plain view of several people, not far from where the horseman was first seen, but disappeared, the pursuit being somewhat tardy, since Sunday last, the people living near Colbert, ten miles east of Preston, Grayson County, Texas, have been hunting for a strangely acting man who crawled about like a snake until pursued, when he would jump to his feet and outrun the fastest horses ridden after him. Others who pursued him on foot say they shot at him at close range, but the bullets, if they struck their target, seemed to have no effect. As late as last evening, children claimed to have seen the crawling man again near the Varner place, six miles from Colbert. A phone message from Colbert this afternoon confirms previous reports sent out from Durant about the state of excitement and the gathering of several parties for pursuit, but states that public interest has received something of a chill because some of the parties who were present when the close. Rain shots were tired, say that although the peculiar being was in the open and very close, that he disappeared with the smoke of the powder. At the Varner place, he crawled into the hen house. It is stated that out in the field, a dead chicken, bitten in the neck, and from which there was the appearance of the blood having been drawn, was found. Though with somewhat reduced enthusiasm, the people of the Varner neighborhood are preparing for another big roundup this afternoon and tonight. Hello, I read some of your Ouija board stories. I have one that I believe proves that these boards can become haunted. My father used to buy things from eBay, then sell it at their actual price. One day he purchased an old Al Jow board. Its box portrayed it as a game fund for the whole family. None of my siblings played with it though, and neither did I. Then a few days after the board arrived, weird things started to happen even though no one touched the board. It was on a shelf in the garage. One night, the first of many nights, I woke at 3.33 a.m. exactly. I woke up scared for no reason. No nightmare, just scared with a very bad feeling. I'd always just lay there awake, then turn over and try to go back to sleep. This first night, I turned over and tried to go back to sleep but when I turned and laid my head on my pillow, I immediately heard a man's voice that said directly into the ear, 
go back to sleep. I jumped up and woke my sister, who shared a room with me. I was crying and terribly scared. The voice wasn't my father's. No man another than my father lived with us. Another day at home, I was watching a movie alone. I paused the movie and took the remote with me to the bathroom. When I came back, the disc was out and placed on the table next to the TV. The disc drive on the Xbox was open, and my room was tossed all over. It was a mess. Another time in the same house, I left the kitchen and heard something behind me. When I turned, I saw a man in a red flannel shirt behind me, though I heard no doors open. I ran from him and turned back around, and he was gone. My father soon sold the board, and we moved soon after. I've had nothing weird or paranormal happen since. This story takes place during a rafting trip on the Deschutes River in central Oregon. My girlfriend and I had decided to drive down from the Seattle area for the famous salmon fly hatch. With that being said, due to the timing of the year, there's a ton of people on the water. Gads doing day trips, as well as other folks like my girlfriend and I spending a couple of days fishing, floating, and camping. Our first day of the trip goes by pretty poorly. I had a crappy boat and no idea what I was doing. Dry bags leaked, I hit a rock and got us a sizable leak, and then had forgotten the bucket, so I spent the rest of the trip bailing out the boat with a water bottle non-stop. So needless to say, we're both pretty frustrated and tired, and as the day turns to dusk, we're scouting out any possible spot to throw our tent up for the evening and get out of that crappy boat. Finally, things are looking up for us. We come up on this beautiful stretch of water with a small island diverting the river into two flows, with a main flow going along the deep left channel at a pretty good clip. On the right side bank, a big clearing surrounded by tall grasses. This is where we chose to make camp for the night. We do some fishing, cook, and decide to lay down for bed and read until it's time to really go to sleep at full dark. Going out to take a leak, nobody as far as I could see or hear had decided to camp anywhere near us, and prior to a few boats floating on by while we set up camp, as far as we knew, we were alone. That's when the music started. At first it sounded almost faintly like someone was throwing a rave with dance music and the like. My girlfriend and I looked at each other like, what the hell? But we chalked it up to the wind carrying sound from far away because at this point the music was still intermittent. It gets louder and louder, and now we can make out the music except it's not. You know that feeling when someone is blasting the bass out of their car subwoofers, and you can feel it in your chest and in your head. We're feeling there, whoever they are, music through the ground as we're trying to sleep, and all we can hear is this unworldly, jarring collection of disjointed bass or drum notes coming through the ground. It doesn't resemble any music I've ever heard, or even any sort of beat you could dance to. By midnight or 1 a.m., we're starting to getting really damn pissed off. It has been since around 10 p.m. since they started, and so that's when I finally decide to go find whoever the hell they are and shut down that damn noise. I have one of those really powerful headlights that lets you output like 1,500 lumens for a short burst, and it really just lights up the whole damn countryside for hundreds of feet. 
So all pissed off, I jump out of the tent and turn up my headlight of doom, and I'm just furiously scanning everywhere I can see. Up and down the river, behind us as far as I can on our own bank, across clear to the other bank, and the little island in the middle. And there's not a single thing in sight. Complete pitch darkness. I turn off my headlight to see if I was washing out any light, and I stand there for about ten minutes to see if my eyes adjust and see anything. Absolutely nothing at all, and this maddening noise is going on endlessly. At this point, I realize it's the same three disjointed songs playing over and over endlessly. My girlfriend starts crying because she's exhausted from the bass rattling our skulls while our head's on laying down on our pillows. We're unable to sleep for hours as this thing continues on through the night. Finally, sometime around 4.35 a.m., it must have stopped and we both drifted off to sleep. I have a hard time sleeping in, so I woke up by myself at around 6.37 and I roll out of bed furious once more just going out to go see if I can find whatever bastards were making that noise all night long. We never saw or found any sign of those people. We waited until about 9 a.m., slowly breaking camp after eating breakfast before we rode out in the main current and back road to try to get a good look at the other side of the small island, and we saw no signs of people. The only reasonable theory we have is that sometime after we went to bed, some folks floated down to the far side of the little island and threw some sort of party, ritual, all through the night and somehow slipped out between 4.30 and 6.30 a.m. If I wasn't with my girlfriend and she hadn't corroborated as well, I would thought I was going insane. Just one long, maddening, sleepless night full of the same noise over and over with no evidence before, during, or after that, it ever happened.